Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow can make it better. Well, good evening, everybody, and happy December 9th, 2014. Uh, it is December, and uh, the bells are ringing, silver bells. The uh, red and white lights are blinking. And uh, the things are swinging into gear, uh, not quite yet at the Fisher house, but uh, a lot of houses on my block are starting to twinkle because we're getting close to Christmas time. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's fitting because uh, we've, got, we've got a guest here tonight who is uh, a co-founder of Bethlehem Coffee. So I mean we're going to go to Bethlehem. So how about that, Gunner? We're going to we're going to I'm go ex- to Bethlehem. Yeah. I'm excited to go to Bethlehem, and I'm as as excited that you just actually used the word twinkle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I could just visualize your street. I could visualize your street right now of just this twinkle. Every house yeah. and, uh, and and yeah. and everything and um, boy it is December. Boy it kind of every year it seems to catch up on us, doesn't it? Oh gosh, yeah. Life speeds up incredibly, and uh, yeah. it's just I I just want to stop the stop the roller coaster somewhere here. Yeah. My goodness. Well, yeah. you know, but now, John, when you talk about the twinkle, I mean, it's always kind of a kind of a big deal when you when it's time to put the tree up in the Fisher household. It's a big yeah. deal, isn't it? I remember seeing pictures from the it's, past. I mean, it's. It's, you're putting your life on the line a lot of those times when you're stringing the lights, <laughs> aren't you? I mean, well, it is. It is. It's a big deal because we always get a big tree, and we've got a very small house, probably under a thousand square feet. But our living room has an open beam peak to it, and mm-hmm. at its highest spot, it's 14 feet high. So wow, we wow. can actually take like a 12 or 13 foot tree. That is, if we can get it in the door. That's always <laughs> a challenge. You know? And then once it's up, you know, and then I've got to bring in ladders. And, uh, yeah. You know, I, I've got to do acrobatic uh, tricks, <laughs> try and get stuff around the very top, tippity top of it, you know. But oh, we uh, we Very try to fill up as much of that space as possible because that's just my wife, Marty, is just, she is Mrs. Christmas. That's just yeah. her thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is that is, yeah, is it kind of a a tradition? Or, I mean, is there a certain way uh, that you go about it every year? As far as I mean, there's a certain way to put the ornaments on the tree and the look and the feel, and just oh yeah, the, every year kind of that oh, yeah. tradition. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The, the main thing is that John does the lights. Yeah, That's yeah. It. No one else touches the lights. Okay, because <laughs> John. John likes to wrap them in and around and take his time with it, you know, so that they yeah. kind of disappear inside the tree and then they just kind of 
show up. You know, I don't I don't throw it on. You know, this is a yeah. very very artistic movement, and so quite often I'm doing lights like at three in the morning. You know, because it's wow. the only time I can really do it. You know, and yeah. and so I put on a little bit of Christmas music, and it takes me probably about two two hours to string the lights, two to three hours maybe to string really? the lights. Yeah. Wow. Once that's done, once that's done, then everybody can have at it after that, you know, with all the balls wow. and the ornaments and all that stuff. So that's kind of like kinda fun. That's the yearly thing. It's kind of your time. You, you clear the channel. You get the, you know, yeah. it's almost, I can almost visualize you doing some workouts. I mean, maybe watching the uh, training scene from Rocky IV or putting on uh, Eye of the Tiger, <laughs> getting really focused. And then you just go after it, don't you? I do. I do. I go after it with probably, I don't know, gosh, you know, uh, six to eight strings of lights, um, probably 100 to 150 each, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, it's, well, it's, we, it's, it's lit up. We may, I think, you know what, John, I think we're overdue for another uh, video post from you. And I think when, when you do get to uh, putting ah. the string in those lights up this year, you might need to just kind of, kind of invite all of us into that experience and just kind of maybe give us some pointers, give us some tips on really what's the best way and the best approach to putting a light on the tree <laughs> and uh, maybe post a video for us. Um, okay. And uh, we'll yeah. send it out to everybody. And maybe if you're listening to this sh- uh, podcast and it's uh, mm-hmm. and it's still December 2014, you know, post a picture on our Facebook page of, of your tree and, and your experiences in putting up uh, lights. Now, if you're like me, I'm spending hours, you know, trying to figure out why this string of lights doesn't work, you know, and <laughs> going through that madness. But uh, all that to be said, um, I think you need to invite us in on that. You, you know, maybe you need to think about that, John, and uh, shoot the video. I like that. I like yeah. that. I'll have Chandler, I'll have Chandler do it and, uh, you know, film it so that yeah. I can, you know, do a full-on demonstration of oh, exactly good, good, good. how how to properly string lights on a Christmas tree. Now, I I'll tell you what, if, yeah. if you do that, John, and we're going to bring our guest on in a second, you do that, then maybe what I'll do is I'll put together a video, too, to kind of keep the uh, the holiday cheer together of kind of a how yeah. to do video of how to make eggnog. And um, oh. <laughs> we, we could have a whole we could have a whole series <laughs> of these videos, John. <laughs> what a crazy <laughs> Anyway, oh, well, John, we've got, a great, we've, got a, we've got a fascinating show tonight. Uh, as you mentioned, we're going to take a trip to Bethlehem tonight. And uh, maybe tell us a little bit about our guest, and we'll, we'll bring him in. Well, Gunnar, I think, I think you may actually know more about our guest than I do. So yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to tell everybody about our guest. Uh, I know a few things, but I'm anxious to hear the rest. He's a multifaceted guy. I know that. He's very artistic. I think he's a photographer. He runs, uh, I think he designs websites. He's got a business, a coffee business going. And he's very invested in uh, Arab Christians. And that is really unique. And I want to talk to him about that. He's an old friend of Larry Norman. Now, that's all I know. Why Why don't you tell me some more? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I've I've known Tim for several years now. I, I met uh, Tim and his uh, wonderful wife, Christine, uh, through, uh, you know, uh, another friend uh, when they had brought a, uh, a wonderful woman over from Rwanda to speak at the Willamette uh, University 
down in Salem, Oregon. And, um, and we just kind of hit it off. And, and, and over the years, we'll get together and we've, we've worked on some projects together. Uh, Music for Libya was one of them, a music project that was helping. Oh, raise, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we had, we had Matthew, I think one of your tracks, uh, Matthew's Blues, was on that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. raising awareness for some work that was happening in, in Libya. But uh, I love this man's heart. Great. I love his passion. And he's got probably one of the most active Facebook pages I've ever seen. I mean, there is so much awesome uh, dialogue happening. And so there's going to be so much more that we'll, we'll wow. unlock tonight. But uh, I love this man. He's a great friend. Um, and I'm going to bring him in right now, uh, John, uh, in, in audio. Okay. Please welcome Tim Gilman. Tim, are you there? Hello, I'm here. Hi, hi Tim. Hi, Welcome. John. How are you? I'm fine. I, I want you to know, Tim, I am sitting here with a fresh cup of Bethlehem dark roast coffee. Sweet. And, and I and I need to tell you, I, I need to tell you, this is very important. I am drinking it out of my cherished Route 66 coffee mug. That and is so, important. Yeah, that's really important. That gives you an idea of what this, of what I'm talking How about. How special here. it is. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Tim, it's excellent. Is it good? It's, good? it's very good, very good, and very smooth. And no, no, none of that, you know, sharp aftertaste. Um, mm-hmm. It's really nice. I'm enjoying it. And and I've got my Christmas Oreos to go with it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally understand. <laughs> Oh my! So let's let's start somewhere, Tim, because uh, you are into so many things. It blows my mind. So let's start with, since we're talking about coffee, Bethlehem Coffee Company, and mm-hmm. let's find out where that came from and what's your vision for it, and tell us about that. Okay. Well, um, about three years ago. I uh, volunteered and lived in, in Palestine, in, in Bethlehem, for two months. I volunteered with uh, an organization called Holy Land Trust. Uh, they uh, work with another organization called Palestine Summer Encounters, which provide for long-term, uh, long-term being up to three months, because that's what the Israeli government allows for a tourist visa to go and live with a Palestinian family, either Christian or Muslim of your choice, and... Uh, and volunteer and do whatever you, is your expertise or your passion to do and learn the, learn the culture a little bit and just kind of it's really a super immersion kind of thing. So wow. I was there, and uh, it was a, it was an amazing experience. And from and that, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm, well, well, and from that, you know, it's, it's, I'm, my friend, uh, my friend uh, uh, Dan O'Neill, uh, who's the founder of Mercy Corps? is a is a long term friend of ours, and he was one I of know those Dan. guys. That, you know Dan? Okay. Well, he is encouraged that, that, me to go ahead. Dan, excuse me, but is that Dan O'Neill in Nashville? Is that uh, uh, no? He's in he's in Seattle. Oh, he's the founder okay. of Mercy Corps. I'm sorry. Any, anyway, I will. He he had, had a lot of experience in in the Middle East, and so he encouraged me to go. And he said, before you do much, you just got to go and be there because you know, until you go and are there, you won't really get a taste of what it's really like. Uh, in some ways, it's not as bad as what they say. In some ways, it's worse than what they say. So that's what I did. So my wife happened to be over there across the same time, so she was with me part of the time. And 
we were there. We lived with a Palestinian family, and, and you know, after about a week, I was I didn't feel like a tourist anymore. I just got on the bus and went to went to the offices like everybody else did. And mm. uh, so, out of that, I I probably two major things. I mean, I, I came to the awareness that there are indeed uh, such a thing as Palestinian Christians, Arab Christians, mm. you know, who mm-hmm. trace their ancestry back to the day of Pentecost. They're not. They're not converted. Wow. They're not former, former Muslims. They are they're Christians. Largely, largely they're Orthodox, but there is a small uh, majority of what we would consider Protestant or Evangelical Christians as well. Um, so, so from there, it was just kind of okay. I, 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 I this, this feels right because for me, in my growing up and my faith. Uh, there always was this unsettledness about war and conflict and and mm-hmm. how it seems to all be kind of disguised or justified by our religious point of view or our, our view of God or there's a whole lot of stuff there. And so I never was really comfortable. I was kind of asking those questions. So I'm not looking at Israel-Palestine so much to change them as I am to be changed myself. And then, in turn, hopefully reflect that to some of the people that are in my circles, and to say, okay, you know, there there is another narrative here. There's another narrative of the occupation. There's another narrative of of what the the, the supporters of Israel look at as the victory of of forty uh, eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, that's also a disaster for another group of people. And as mm-hmm. much as on one side it's victory, as much as on the other side it's, it's a catastrophe. Actually, that's what they call it, the Nakba. So and 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 then trying to hold this position that doesn't say that I'm on either <laughs> side, because most of the most of the critics on either side will try to force you to one side or the other. But coming from a position that totally believes that that Jesus, in 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 this case, Jesus stands equally for all people. And and so how can you how can you work through that? So uh, so the upshot of that was come home, what am I going to, you know, what's my footprint? What's my niche that I can, I can work here? And uh, being from the Northwest, you know, coffee is like our blood. I mean, we, you know, we just, we're the coffee country. So I, my background is in design, and so we just decided to develop this brand. Uh, and I, I have had a client that I already worked with that was a roaster, and he roasts for me on an as-needed basis, and we just developed the brand, and uh, I, have, I have a partner uh, from Saudi Arabia that's helping me do it and provide some funding. And we just started out small and started a website mm-hmm. and designed the bags and, you know, started out from there. And so that's kind of wow. where we're at. We're still very small and very much in it, in its uh, baby stages. Uh, there's lots of potential. Uh, there's potential for roasters. Uh, there's potential for, for, uh, for lots of stuff. But we're uh, just kind of getting started. Okay. Does the coffee itself have anything to do with <clears throat> the Middle East, or is it all uh, mm-hmm. you know, in this in this country? No, not not um, actually. Uh, uh, there, at this point, uh, well, first of all, it would not be cost-effective to ship beans back and forth. So right. So no, no, the beans are not from from Bethlehem. Uh, currently, they don't they don't even grow beans there. The closest you can get beans in the Middle East are from Yemen, and they're considered to be pretty pretty strong towards our standards. So uh-huh. this particular Beans that we're using comes from a small farm in, in Costa Rica. Uh, so uh, the, 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 the long-term plan is to have partner roasters all around the globe. I mean, I've, I've talked to people in South Africa. 
Salzburg Roaster in Germany. We're working with developing a relationship with a new roaster actually in Bethlehem that will roast mm-hmm. and basically use our packaging. Uh, but we won't be shipping beans back and forth. So that's just not cost-effective. It's, at least at this point, it's not. So uh-huh. this isn't so much about the, 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 the perfect cup of coffee, although that's important, but it's more about what coffee represents. And coffee represents community. Coffee, the coffee house is a calm. It's the, it's the same reason everybody loves cheers. You know, I mean, it's the right. community that's created. And so that's what we we really believe is that, you know, it's a, it's a it's a foundation for relationship building, um, and uh, and whether that be there because we're our, our one of our goals yeah. is to actually have a coffee house there in Bethlehem, but even in Good. local groups here, uh, you know, uh, when people meet, talk about the issues. You, we've networked a lot and continue to network with a lot of, of groups that are working around this issue. Um, uh, largely, a lot of them are in more mainline churches, uh, Episcopal, Presbyterian. Uh, some of those churches, but there's it's starting to spread out a little bit more. But there's a lot of communities around the country where little groups meet and 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 talk about peace and peacemaking and those kind of things. And so, you know, coffee is kind of a natural fit. And so, if people can make connection with the brand when they're visiting or when they're in the mm-hmm. Holy Land, then they can come home and they know they can they can enjoy a good cup of coffee, uh, support the cause, and and so it's 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 totally it's totally a branding concept rather than uh, yeah, quests for the perfect bean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave, sure. leave that to the leave that to the the aficionados. Well, it, it's a pretty good bean I'm drinking right now. Yeah, it is good. I'm not saying that to apologize for all. That yeah. is by my friend Bert. Very good. Coffee, does mm-hmm. a great job. So I've never heard yeah. anybody say anything bad, and it's been a lot of people that aren't just saying that to make me feel good. I, I, yeah, there are people that would be honest, and if it wasn't, they would tell me so. No, we're real no, I'm, in, in, the, in that part, too. I'm on my second cup. I've gone through four Oreos, uh-huh. and um, I'm, I've still got a little <laughs> little bit left in my pot here. It's, it's so like, I, I, plan it, I plan it to last. Yeah, yeah. Instead of a three-dollar night, it's a four-Oreo cup of coffee. And it's, that's right. And, and, it's, and it's not uh, not acidy or anything. Right. It's really good. It's really good. Now, here's the deal. Uh, okay. Question. Uh, so... You hope then, uh, well, it's a twofold part of this question. Right? Do you hope to educate people in some way through the coffee? And second, um, uh, does any does any part of the profit go, uh, intended to go towards towards uh, the Mid East or Bethlehem or anything like that? Okay. For, uh, first of all, uh, yes, uh, education is 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 primary. Uh, I don't think yeah. that will necessarily come specifically from the coffee as much as hopefully the environment that the coffee is a part of. So mm-hmm. if the coffee is an, an entrance, a way to build a relationship, then yes, absolutely. Uh, currently, we're, we're, we have a project set aside where we've raised some funds towards actually working on a coffee house there. We keep those separately, and those would go specifically to the coffee house. Other than that, okay. from the sales, just go into into making it work at this point, and uh, yeah. and we we do I you know we're both involved with quite a bit of stuff. We volunteer there, and so okay, so uh, but we're not like sending funds to them, no. Okay, okay. Now, um, business wise, you it looks like you were kind of in business for yourself. Is that right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and uh, tell me. What that looks like, and uh, I, because I know you're doing uh, 
in areas of the design? What are some of the mm-hmm. other things you do? And then I'm working towards something here. I, I want to know how, if, if at all, your faith um, uh, enters that picture. You know, my what? My what? Your faith. Your faith. Oh, my faith. Your faith. How does your faith? My faith. How does okay. your Christian uh, faith well, um, address mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Sure. Well, uh, as we talked when we talked before, I mean, I I've kind of come up through this. Uh, career, if you want to call it, as a creative. Uh started out as a photographer. Uh, really, you know, I, I had, a, had an art teacher when I was in fifth grade, and I can't even tell you what it was that happened, but something happened in my heart to where I realized that I could communicate creatively. And mm. and then my faith comes along at the same time, and 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 I I was fortunate because I I got out of town when I was 1920 and went to Bible college and got out of my little myopic church experience and saw a lot of different people, a lot of different, uh, you know, even different denominational people and even people that were, that weren't even, didn't even pretend to be Christians and built some relationships with them. And so I, I became, became real clear to me that, you know, that the creative they're really all all the things that we think are the fivefold ministries are really creative processes. I mean, even good preaching. I mean, T.G. Jakes used to say the best theaters every Sunday morning in America. <laughs> so, so it really is it really is creativity. So, so what I and then the other niche that I found is is that oftentimes the weakest spot in most nonprofit work is their level of creativity. Either they, either they yeah. don't have the funds. Or they don't have the uh, the vision. Uh, usually, it's more funding, and, and and so this is extreme. But they end up xeroxing stuff and sending stuff out that you know just kind of what I would say is kind of ugly and doesn't really really show yes. uh, the quality level that we should be showing. So right. I've always had an interest in finding that right niche, and of course I've done all the other things. Of you know, I mean, I've applied for a job with you know, several non- large nonprofits and actually worked at one for six years. And uh, and so it's been kind of a gradual learning from that. And and it's all been the same the same goal to, to, to be an authentic reflection of my understanding of what mm. it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now I my I'm okay to give and other people to have a little bit different understanding. I don't require everybody to get into my box, uh, even though I try to have a very big box. Um, mm-hmm. but I feel that that's, you know, that's an important thing. So, so with that said, it's kind of an overarching thing. It's kind of evolved from being really a photographer, uh, to, uh, we had, a, we had an art gallery for a while. Then we had, you know, then with strictly a photographer worked for a couple of national Christian magazines. Uh, that really exposed me to the whole design process, uh, uh-huh. you know, to, to, to sit with an art director and an editor and start with a stack of manuscripts six manuscripts and like six weeks later come out at the other end of the table with a magazine. Uh, you know, we did that for three years. So that was quite an experience of just seeing how that all worked. And, um, and of course at that time we were still doing it the old way because that's when the Macs were first coming out. So right. you know, we were, we were doing everything the old fashioned way. So I was doing photography that way and working with art directors and stuff. And, and just the whole passion for, uh, for that process really, really kicked in. And so then it's just been kind of, you know, going to 
I was creative director at United Way in Portland for six years, and that exposed me a, a lot of more team building types of things and how how to work with teams and how do you take um, the, the the information and the leadership that a board or that even executives give you and then interpret that into something that's appealing and, and communicate that vision to the, to the public. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, we had about a about a twenty million dollar a year campaign in Portland every year. Um, so that kind of evolved, and then the other thing that's been really kind of evolving here in the last two or three years is with with the advent of technology, and particularly with on demand printing. Uh, I have now done about fifteen or twenty books. Um, uh, uh, you know, just paperback books, done a couple hardcovers, working on a photo of mm-hmm. an artistic book now. To where you know there's 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 the ability for people to do stuff like that uh, mm-hmm. without having to go and you know borrow all their money from their relatives and buy a pallet of books and stick them in the garage and just hope they sell them. Uh, right. So that's kind of the crossroads that that's kind of the place I'm in now. And so I kind of look for voices. And and another thing, I I I was fortunate when I was young that I was had several people in my life that really. Um, encouraged me by valuing what I did. I mean, I remember this one little lady that we used to, her son mm. was my best friend, and we would go to her house, and in those days when I could show all my slides at one time, you know, like maybe four reels, you know, she would mm. want to see them all, and you could come back a week later, and she'd want to see them again, you know. And it was just, wow. it, it just that, that process of, of having your work valued does wonders for people. So wow. I'm really... I'm really personally more interested in helping other people find a platform and their voice. Um, and so I look for people like that, you know, that uh, that maybe have something to say or at least think they have something to say and want to, you know, want to, want to do that. Uh, and then in the process, you just kind of, you know, you just kind of build relationships with people. And that's kind of what I have done. Probably the most exciting thing I'm working on right now is, uh, and we'll have it done by the first year. Is a translation of the Quran uh, by a by a Muslim who is a Muslim follower of Jesus, not a Christian, hmm. but a Muslim follower of Jesus. So that's a whole different show. And uh, and but what he's done is never from what we've been able to tell, it's never been done before. He's translated the Quran, which uh, from what he's told me, there's about 80 different translations of the Quran. They aren't quite as far in, in the paraphrase translation business as we are with the Bible. But um, but and then, but what he's done is taken and then where there is the opportunity to make connections with Old and New Testament scriptures, he's mm-hmm. footnoted those actually in the text. So it, it's ah. not going to be it's not going to be parallel because parallel isn't possible because the Quran is not a, par- a, a, a timeline right. story. So that so that's something I'm where I'm real, personally really excited about to be able to see that. Um, wow. to see how that works. And then he told me his next idea is he's working with these other guys, Christian guys, who want to do the same thing in reverse and use the Bible as their foundation and, hmm. and show other show places where the Quran, I mean, clearly we all know there's places that the Quran and the Bible diverge, but there are many places where they also complement each other too. And so that's, hmm. that's something that's really exciting to see that uh, that come into play. And and that's another kind of kind of project that if I wasn't out in these circles doing stuff, you know, I would never run into these people and and say, you know, hey, what about this? I can do that. You know, can I help you with that? You know, that kind of thing. 
So wow. that's, that's wow. kind of the way it kind of happens, you know. And uh, yeah. Well, so the copy's the there. It's just kind of a vehicle. Oh, Tim, you opened a you opened the can of worms right there. Uh, boy, all those people who want to burn the Koran and all those yeah. Christians who are saying, how would you ever have anything to do with that? Why would you want to show uh, where the Koran and the Bible are similar? What do we what do we gain by that? Mm-hmm. Uh, since I know that question's got to be out there, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you want to uh-huh. you want to you want to sh- try and answer it for us? Well, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, well, I well, yeah. I don't know what I can answer. I can give you my basic thoughts. That uh, my basic That's thoughts are that, that at the end of the day, the whole thing is nothing more than sibling rivalry. That that the 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 basically, <laughs> basically they're all descendants of Abraham. And they've been fighting since day one, you know. I mean, since, wow. since, since Sarah basically told Abraham that Hagar had to go. I mean, they, the, I, in my view, my land, I'm not a theologian, but from what I can kind of grasp here, I think that the Arab people have always been the other. You know, they've been the mm-hmm. people on the other side of the tracks. You know, they've been mm-hmm. over there. It's like, so you can imagine, you can imagine Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the the, the special people, if you want to say that, or the, the chosen ones, and it's like, you know, they're over there. Those are those people. And even and even when we get down to the point of Christianity coming along because 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 it it was totally within the Jewish story. I mean Christianity mm-hmm. developed out of the Jewish story, they still right. were the marginal people. So right. uh I think an argument can be made, maybe, I don't again I'm not a theologian, but it, it seems that, you know, I, I think I think I think in lots of ways Muhammad just wanted to matter, and I think he appealed, which oftentimes happens with some of these guys, uh, they appeal to marginalized. And so if, if 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 we would understand if we include people, we take away that element. But if we if we make divisions and say I'm in and you're out, then of course if they they've got it, they have some idea. There's there's a there's a deposit of the Holy Spirit in them too. And and God's calling to the to the Muslims just like He's calling to you and me. So so how do how do we want them to respond? You know, I mean that you know that, and and so I think that it's good to know uh, that there's very you know, the basic stories of Christianity, uh, the basic stories of Judaism and Islam are very much the same. Uh, how mm. they how they chose to handle conflict in some cases is different, and of course we're quick to grab those scriptures out of the Quran that say that. Uh, and mm-hmm. we tend to not say that too much about the scriptures in the Bible, and and then, but in the Bible where you see extreme violence, it's always ordered by God. You know, so it's like, it's yeah. like we're not really taking responsibility. We're saying, well, either God did it, or God required me to do it for me to keep my status. You know, uh, so I, I, just, it's very disarming to people to to find that out, and and when you when you this is one thing about visiting is is that you know not only the Arab Christian issue but also just getting to know Muslims, and so I've got to know several who, you know, they they are they are as much interested in 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 Jesus and what Jesus taught than any of us are, and and I have a friend I have a good friend who is who is an Adventist pastor in in New York City. He, he was raised as a, as a Muslim, and when he came to his faith, his Christianity, he did convert. 
But he says now, when he goes and talks to his Muslim friends, he he doesn't present it in a case of conversion in the sense of, you know, abandoning everything that you are and coming over here. But what he says is, he says, if you really want to be the best Muslim possible, if you're really serious about being a, a good Muslim, then you need to understand what Jesus taught, okay? And then, and then with the confidence, my friend Samir then has the confidence that God will take care of those details, you know. And, wow. and, and of course, you know as well, and you know probably already well aware of this, but the, the stumbling block for both the Christian, I mean, both the Jew and his, and the Muslim, really is the Trinity, is is is, is, uh-huh. is the value that we place on Jesus. So, right. so you you have a choice. Either you keep hammering on that. And, and make the consequences of not um, acquiescing serious enough that, you know, and, and you just drive them apart. Or what I would suggest is that if you just build relationships with people, if you just, if you just, because I believe, I personally believe there's a positive of God's spirit in everybody. And this happened to me the first time probably uh, 10 years ago now, 12 years ago, and I went to China with, with my friend the first time. And to, to be in a group of 35 or 40 people that I can't understand a word they're saying, but yet but yet in your heart you know that you're on the same page, your spirits are on the same page. I, I can't explain it except you can feel it. And, and, and that, that alone lets you know that God is much bigger than, than, than what we give, we give him credit for. And, and I personally believe that the whole, you know, God is far more passionate about having us be one. I mean, one of Jesus' final prayers was that we would be one, that the, that the body of Christ would win, that we would be one as they are one. So if we simply have the courage to extend ourselves, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to allow our faith to be vulnerable, I'm convinced that, that you'll hear that rushing mighty wind louder than you even heard wow. on the day of Pentecost because because that's God's heart. Tim, wow. I wish everybody could hear what you just said. And, uh, uh, you know, the uh, and just to reiterate, we're talking about the difference between basically we're right, you're wrong, to uh, we have some things here that I think everyone needs to consider. And you have some wonderful things over there. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, look, here's where they connect up. Mm-hmm. And in the process, if a person truly, uh, like you're saying, is we're turning them on to looking into Jesus, they're going to eventually find out what Jesus said about who he is and what he came to be. And if the Holy Spirit is moving in their heart, they're going to get it. Uh, truth mm-hmm. is truth. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and the other the other approach, the other approach has n- no possibility of any any hope. Yeah. That's well, that, I, that should be obvious to everybody. Why why is it so hard for people to see that, Tim? Uh, why do you think fear? it's so hard for I Christians? Think, I think, to be I think able it's to... largely fear, and 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 it's largely most people hold their positions about these things by default. They don't know any better. I would say it's ignorance. It's not ignorance in terms of being dumb, as being dumb people. It's ignorance in terms of lack of knowledge. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it, just think of what happened. It just happened in the last, uh, you know, even ten years when it's been become more common to, to make short-term mission trips. 
you know, or go to other countries, or be, you know, the ability, really, for a relatively small amount of money, we can go anywhere on the planet when you think of what really what you're doing. And, and, and that's forced us to be exposed to people that we would have never been exposed to or we would have been exposed to on our own terms. I know in, in our particular denomination, which is the Assemblies of God, uh, I have friends that are involved in the Assemblies of God in Southeast Asia, for example, and there's been huge stress, stress and tension in those circles because, because what, what's happened is, is that we've, you know, the, the traditional colonial mission era of the colonial missionary, in my view, is over, okay? In saying mm. that, I, I'm not saying it was wrong, done, okay? Huh. And, 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 but what has happened here is that traditional missionary work, and by that I mean the, you know, the guy that packs up and goes and lives in, in, the, in the compound in the middle of Africa and has all the servants come in and take care of him. Basically, he lives a, a good life you know, in in the middle there, and he's like the big guy. Those, now, now, there was lots of seeds that were planted there, and there were seeds that, that are valuable. But what happens is these, these people now have risen up, and now you have you have people who came to faith when they were children, and now they want to lead, okay? So how, mm-hmm. so one of the big tensions is, and, and I, again, not to, not to necessarily single out, my uh, the AG because I'm sure all denominational structures have this to some degree, but there's this idea is okay, you know, are 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 we going to impose on them to do things our way, or are we going to have the confidence to say okay, God can speak to them just as well as He can speak to me. I mean, I I remember going to other countries and saying to to guys, you know, don't expect the Westerner to come here and tell you what you should do. You know, I mean, you, you hear from God just like I do. So my job, if I'm going to do my job to support you, whatever culture you're in, it's to be your cheerleader. It's to say, it's to take your cheeks in my hand and say, I believe in you. I believe that the Holy Spirit that lives in you is the same one that lives in me, and he will tell you what's best for reaching your people. And, and my job is to support that. And and in, in Asia, for example, you have a lot of people who just like in our in our society, you know, whether we're Christian or not, the basic Judeo Christian value system is a part of our culture. You know, I mean it's who we are. I mean we don't lie. We don't we basically I mean we there's so there's there's that ethos. Well you uh-huh. now have you now have people who have come to faith. Their basic structure is a Buddhist society. You know, mm-hmm. their basic structure mm-hmm. is maybe Hindus, Hinduism, or even in, in this case of, of a Muslim society. So you can't you can't undo, you know, people's culture. I mean, you can, depending on what kind of punishment you threaten yeah. them with, you might you might get them to conform certain ways, but you can't change who they are. So yeah. I think one of the challenges for Western Christians is. Do we believe that God is big enough to use those people in their culture? And, and, and are we willing to release the, the reins enough and support them and be their cheerleaders and say, you go for it? Or are we going to say, no, you got to get back on our box because we're from North America and we, we call it shots. And, uh, wow. and so, I, so I think that, I think that that's, a, that's a real challenge. And, but, see, we didn't really... I would say it, it kind of. I think the beginning of the end, which this is really easy to say, but it's like, you know, once religion 
got in bed with power, you know, which really goes back to Constantine yeah. because Constantine had this Constantine had this huge problem. I mean, he had he had to he had to protect the interests of Rome. He had to somehow bring these these Jesus followers under control, and then he had he had the Jews. Okay, so what better strategy than to create this thing? And so and so once once you're able to marry religion or one's view of God with the empire, it's all over. Because because that's exactly what Islam does. That's exactly what all all the world religions do to one degree or another. So wow. I think that's the whole the whole nugget that Abraham came out of the wilderness with was the concept of one God, I think. I think this idea that there's there's only one God and it's the God for everybody. And uh so anyway, I, I'm not sure all about that, but I I just think that there's there's a there's a dynamic there that we miss in being insecure and protective of mm-hmm. our own. And getting wow. out of the getting out of Dodge is the first step. Yeah, yeah. The and the other Gunner, thing I say Dodge yeah. is coming to us too. So we don't have to get out we don't have to do much more than to go down to the convenience store now to, uh, right. to be out of Dodge. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm hearing a lot of uh, echoes of Oz Guinness, uh, Gunner, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, this is so, so important. And, and Tim, do you ever get discouraged? Do you just, do you ever, you know, okay, let me just tell you, I do. I, I mm-hmm. just, I, I get discouraged because I know that people's, people's ideas about America and Christianity and uh, and all that stuff, it's just so ingrained in their worldview. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, they've spent their whole life believing this. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. just change that overnight. No, no, um, no. I, and so, sometimes I just get real, yeah. real worried, uh, you yeah. know. What, well, do we, what do we do? I guess we yeah. just work on the next generation, maybe. I, I yeah, I, I well, uh, certainly the next generation is, is it, I think, has a whole different uh, approach to this. Yeah. I think that's why think you see you see the evangelical numbers going to the floor in lots of places, or or at least yes. they're changing. They're changing yeah. their 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 ethos. But um, I would say, yeah, yeah, it certainly can be discouraging. I think for me, uh, it, it, it dawned on me. Uh, started the seeds started planting about ten years ago, but I'd say the last five years mm-hmm. that. I really have come to realize that I'm loved by God. I and whatever whatever happens with the church, whatever happens with the Middle East, whatever happens with my friends on Facebook, whether they understand or not, you know, uh, or whether they believe me or not, I'm okay with God. So so usually I've found the people that that are the the most vile in their responses are totally insecure because that's what's causing them to be vile in the first place. Oh wow. they're, they're they're protecting themselves. So if we really oh. believe what we believe, we should be happy to sit down and talk to anybody and not feel threatened by it. So I I wow. that has always kind of helped me. So uh, it, it still is difficult at times. I probably get my biggest criticism from people that I've known the longest and should know me the best and know and and some of them do. They know my heart and they don't agree with me, and that's okay. I don't I don't I don't require that. I I think that we. I think everybody, to one degree or another, creates a box. They created their own theology about God. But I think the mistake is is expecting everybody else to have your theology. 
you know, and, and mm-hmm. to the point of the point of divorcing yourself from relationship to them if they don't have your same worldview. That to me, that's where that's mm-hmm. where evil thrives because evil goes mm. right in there, and and then suddenly, because the body of Christ is really rendered impotent in the world. I mean, who would want to become a Christian? You know, seeing the way that we just treat people like Rob Bell and uh, and uh, uh, in Driscoll and, and I mean whoever you want to pick. I mean, you know, we we eat our own wounded, you know. Yeah. And and so it's like, I mean, why would I want to join your club? You know, I mean, I just and there's no. You know, why would a Muslim want to follow a god that they've been told seeks their destruction? Mm-hmm. I, there just doesn't seem to be, you know, doesn't seem to be any 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 logic behind that. And so so it, it does it it is, but I I think that. Um, and I, here's the other thing I would say about conversations and about, about you know, Gunnar mentioned about Facebook conversations. Um, I came to realize with Facebook particularly that out of all of my friends, the majority of them are readers and not commenters. And I get comment affirmations from people regularly that that I never even, they'll never ever enter the conversation. So there's many people that read. And so... One of the things that's been totally lost in this political correct society that we've developed, even inside the church, is we've we've lost the ability to talk about anything. I mean, yes. I mean we, you, we can't talk about racism, we can't talk about homosexuality, we can't talk about all this stuff, you know. And yes. but see, growing up, and he, and he not only growing up, but even now, the way you learn what you really believe is by having dialogue, is by having push and pull, and saying, okay, well, this is. This is how I understand this, and somebody says this, and that's how you learn. But see, because we're so polarized, there, those conversations don't happen. So, well, what I what I've found with with one thing that keeps me willing to engage some of my more extreme conservative friends in, in faith on mm-hmm. Facebook, for example, is mm-hmm. that I'm I'm not so concerned about changing their point of view as much as I am providing for the reader the widest discussion points as possible so that so that then okay. the Holy Spirit can can drive into their heart what they need to think about and what they need to proceed receive on because yeah. whether whether it's the Israeli Palestinian conflict, whether it's politics politics, whether it's police brutality, I mean you have extremes on both sides that are never going to move. But mm-hmm. but you but mm-hmm. but the reality is that the 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 I'm Shane Claiborne always calls it the radical middle, you know. Is where <laughs> it's where where not only where Jesus is, but it's where the the real future is. And so those yes. are the people that, that haven't quite poured their concrete around all their theology, maybe or all their all their political views, and and those are the ones that that I don't even necessarily want to change them. I just wanted them to consider something else. And that's uh, great. And, yeah. Wow. This is really good. I'm. I hate to say that we're g- getting close to running out of time, but my goodness, um, this is well, this is sometime. so much. Yeah, we will. We'll have to do more of this because it's really what we want to teach our people. So I, mm-hmm. I'm just so glad. But before you go, we have uh-huh. to talk at least a few minutes about Larry Norman. Come on, <laughs> you, you, you and Larry were, were I understand, are friends. We're friends. Um, yeah. Larry's, yeah. Larry's with the Lord now, and much happier, yeah. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure he is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Now, there's a controversial figure, and yeah. uh, you you want to just tell us really briefly about 
your relationship with Larry? And, well, and, uh, uh, of course, I I was you know I was a fan and knew of him since you know uh-huh. earlier in the seventies. Uh, yeah, I've seen him many times and taken pictures. I think the first time I saw him and photographed him was he was at Reed College up here in Portland with Randy, and it must have been like maybe seventy one or seventy two and. Um, but and then and then later on he moved up to Salem and so mm-hmm. you know we'd see him around town once in a while and all that kind of stuff and uh, but just in about the last five years of his life uh, he became he became friends of ours and with set of circumstances we had a we had a mutual friend up in Canada who was who had passed away and and he knew her. And so my wife and I were going up to her serb funeral, and so he brought some stuff. I'm understanding it to him and stuff. And, you know, he came. And, of course, you know, and you probably relate to this well, too. It's like, you know, when you're in the entertainment business, you like, you don't go to bed. You know, I mean, everything's in the middle yeah. of the night, you know. So yeah. he would uh, he'd show up at, showed up at our house, and the first night, he, you know, he gave him directions and stuff, and he came and did it. And, you know, he ended up, like, staying till 4 in the morning, you know. It's just like, you know, it's like, you know. Okay, and so it just kind of evolved, and 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 what we really we all commit ourselves to our, our kids and, and and Christine and I was to be in Larry's friend, uh, uh, mm-hmm. not to be his fan. I mean, we I love his music and I, I love his heart, but it wasn't a, a fan kind of thing as much as it was to be his friend. Because I I've really learned uh, the more uh, well known and even celebrity people are, the lonelier they are. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they don't have, they don't know who is really their friend. You, you're really my friend because you really care mm-hmm. about me, or are you my friend because of what I can, you think I can do for you, you know, or yeah. those, those kinds of things. So, so we just really tried that. So over the next three or four years, I mean, he would probably come to our house, you know, every at least once a month. Sometimes mm-hmm. multiple times a month, just kind of come for dinner and hang out, and you know, and we obviously talked. Did a couple of trips with him, went to Seattle with him one time, and um, and just you know just kind of got to be his friend. I mean, you know, and Good. and I I tried, you know, I tried hard. Of course, you know, all the stuff that that came down, and I've I've consciously stayed out of it, um, mm-hmm. uh, simply because it to me it's not uh, it's non productive dialogue, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. after someone yeah. passed away. Especially after he's yeah. gone, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like yeah. if, if if this discussion, if this film, if this book doesn't lead us to some sort of wholeness, then I'm just not interested in being part of it. So uh, uh, that's good. But yeah. but he he you know I mean I learned he helped me learn a lot. I mean I'll, I'll never he was one of the first people to start talking to me about this concept that that, that God loves you. You know he told me mm-hmm. that you know so most most of his adult life that that he was still trying to please God. And that it was so freeing to him to realize uh, you know, that God loved him. And if he never did another song, if he never did anything else, if he, if he was okay with God. And so I learned a lot from him that way. And, uh, That's and great. It was great. I mean, I got to be, uh, I was actually with him a, a, the day before he passed away. Took him to Safeway wow. and in the wheelchair and we not far from his house. And uh, and he was a little, also a little bit like... Uh, so we always thought he was like the Velveteen Rabbit by this stage. Of course, you know, you know, he when he was young, he was like all those guys, and I'm sure he was young and cocky and, you know, ready mm-hmm. to take on the world and the establishment and everybody. But by the time we got to know him, he was kind of like the Velveteen Rabbit, you know, and kind of had all his <laughs> buttons worn off and the 
the the the fur was kind of thin and and so we we just really uh really learned to value him for who he was and uh mm-hmm. and and what he did and and uh, and it was really uh was really a, a great thing i really would consider an honor to yeah. have had that opportunity that's great. but uh, that's great I, I think he was uh he was definitely one of a kind <laughs> yeah yeah um apart from apart from his persona uh, apart from the the controversy surrounding him and everything, mm-hmm. your knowledge of him as as a person in these last couple of minutes, can you just for me describe what he was like to you uh-huh. as a person? How would okay. you if you just here's describe my, here's Larry? My Larry like Nor- here's friends. my my best Larry Norman story. Uh, okay, Larry Norman and I went up to Seattle to uh, to view, view a screening of a movie. Uh, and at this, by this stage, his health is very, very bad, and he's he, he's got to take lots of medicine, and and so um, and I and I had no idea that it was really this bad because I'd never been with him all night long, obviously. And so we got a we went to this to the screening of the film and talked to some people there, and you know went went back to downtown Seattle and got a hotel room, and you know we didn't share a room, so he had his own room, and I was next door, and literally the guy was awake all night, just you know hard hearted grief, just really. You're really in bad shape. We get up the next morning. We're headed. We're headed back to Salem, and and in typical Larry, because because also he he suffered from diabetes really bad. And typical Larry Norman style, he says he says he he would say he says to me he says well you know I got to get something to eat in about 45 minutes or I'm going to die. Much <laughs> like his sugar. So 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 here we are right right in downtown Seattle. We take the 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 loop off the freeway and end up down underneath the by where the ferries are, and we're like going through this 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 parking lot there, and he sees this guy out, uh, you know, kind of street guy, you know, kind of panhandling for some money, and Larry stops and starts talks to the person and and just starts having a conversation with him, and and he says he, and I you know I mean I I generally don't give those guys money. You know, I mean, I, I, I generally simply laugh because mm-hmm. I want to get some food or, you know, but I generally don't just give out money. And so, and, and I, to be honest with you, I was a little bit in a hurry. I was driving. I was driving him. I thought, you know, I, but mm-hmm. Larry, no, Larry wanted to talk to him and stuff. And so Larry goes and talks to him. He's giving him, you know, 20 bucks or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And, uh, and so then he says, well, I still got to get something to eat. So we, we take the guy over to Ivers across the street. Hey, that's not, you know, middle of the road. Chowder House, you know, so we're sitting there having chatter. You know, of course, Larry's talking to this guy about music, and of course, this guy doesn't know Larry from Adam, and, and you know, it's just, just it's an interesting thing. And so we end up going then down up into Seattle. We go into a pawn shop. Larry buys the guy a guitar. He he, he helps him. He, he shows him some chords. I and mean, the guy already was a, somewhat of a musician, and he had said that, and so that's how that kind of conversation probably didn't have a guitar. So, and then, so then we're already this is we're already into this about three hours, and then he and we we were supposed to head towards home, and then the guy says, "Well, he, he, do we take him home?" So the guy lives in Tacoma, which is like you know like about forty miles, fifty yeah. miles south of Seattle. So so we ended up taking the guy to to his, to his mom's house, and we ended up staying with meeting his mom and everything, and and it was just like, I mean, it was like, and then as soon as we got through with him. It was like Larry kind of then kicked back into being not feeling well, you know. So it was like it was. It, I can't explain it except it was just like it showed me how big his heart was, 
and and also the fact it's like I have another friend who was a pilot, and and he was an old guy, and you would think I'm not getting in a plane with this guy, you know. But when he got in the plane, it just kind of kicked into gear, and he could do it. Yeah, I know yeah, what it yeah. was with Larry. It was like it was yeah. like okay, this uh, this this is I know what I'm supposed to do here, and 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 that's what he was supposed to do, and that put any concern he had about his health at that point, it back to the back burner. You know, so wow. that that really showed me because and, and having been with him the night before and knowing how much pain he really was in and how much he was able to manage that, that just really yeah. heightened my respect for him totally. So so yeah, I think that I think that he was a he was a great guy. I I learned a long time ago when I was young that everybody has feet of clay. So I don't expect you know, everybody to do everything right and, and but I'm not willing to throw them all under the bus because because they're clay feet show either, so. Uh, that's beautiful. Well, I, what a wonderful story. I appreciate that very much, Tim. And yeah. uh, gosh, I just appreciate you having having you on the show. This has been fantastic. We'll go back. I appreciate to it, it too, John. Uh, and uh, hopefully, we can help. Maybe we do mm-hmm. just a little bit of a little bit of to get people to think a little bit more open. And you know what? Sure. I'm from here is what you said about um, the love of God. If you believe God loves you, then you will be more secure and Mm -hmm. able to talk to other people and not have to force them to be the way you are. Right. That's that's wonderful. That's 100%. I agree with you 100%. And uh, and also, I'll I'll be obviously talking to Gunnar too, but... You know, if you ever want to, I can connect you with some some Arab Christians and some Palestinians and some people working around wow. this issue. So, so you could talk to some, some some of the real folks, not just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that'd so, be great. Uh, and uh, uh, so we'll we'll do it. Some, we'll do it some more, Tim. Thank you okay, so much. Okay, perfect. Blessings. This has been great. Love Talk you too. Soon. Take care. Okay, bye bye. Yeah. Bye bye. How about that? Wow, that was great. Yes. That was really yeah, that was great. That was like that was like um we gotta put that one right behind Oz. You gotta you gotta listen to Oz and then you gotta yes. gotta listen to this because this is like taking what Oz says and, and like Marty Marty always likes to say, This is boots on the ground. Yes. <laughs> this is sure. taking what he said and putting it into practice. Yeah. Right in right in the world. You know. Like Life level application. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's um, BethlehemCoffee.org uh, is that website. Um, Here we go. And John, I, I just loved as you know, we're just digging into that uh, that, that conversation. I I think I heard you a few times. Maybe uh, pour another cup of that coffee. <laughs> you did. I just thought it was this you wonderful did. sound effect. It was just like, man, I just I want a cup of coffee like right now. <laughs> Yeah, now, wait a minute. I just might have a little bit more. Hold on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? And, Did you get it? And, and so that pretty much means that you're going to be, uh, as you said, you're, you're you're in the entertainment world, so you pretty yeah, much never yeah. see it. So that guarantees well, you'll be up all I'm night. Gonna, I'm going to pull a Larry Norman tonight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, it all comes together. <laughs> It it very much does uh, come together, but uh, oh, gosh. great food for thought. And you're right. I think we need to put together a mashup between the uh, the Guinness 
Uh, you know, here and, and the irony of that is, is like you're, you're comparing the Guinness interview with this one with Gilman. Here we're talking about while we're having the interview, having a cup of coffee with with Oz. We're having a, a pint mm-hmm. of Guinness. Yeah. And so there there's something going there on go. with beverages here. But uh, hey, John, we've got a um, uh, John as we you know you know land the plane on this episode. If anybody's listening on okay. the podcast here tonight even here this next week john hey guess what john we've got a question of the um of the day of the week on the facebook page facebook.com slash the cat yeah if you go yeah. there if you're right now or this week go there and there's a post that says let's build a playlist what's your favorite christmas song and we're getting oh. all kinds of comments already one of them i don't think i've heard yet it's porky pig blue blue christmas From David. Well, I think somehow I feel like I might be able to do without that one. Yeah. (laughs) Porky porky Pig and Blue Christmas. Well, yeah. So, you know, obviously (laughs) we invite, you know, get yourself a cup of coffee and and add to the playlist at uh, facebook.com slash the catch. But, John, what a, what a, what a, what a great conversation. There was just so much yeah. in there that I think people really need to listen that can really challenge um, wh- what yes. we think and how we think, don't you think? <laughs> think, think, think. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, my goodness. And and I left, you know, he, he he's great. He, he talks, uh, I, I like, he talks around stuff. He leaves us pictures. Uh, and then once in a while, I don't know if you noticed, but there would be like just this, Bong, yeah. sledgehammer come down, you know. Yeah. Like uh, for me, it was it was being loved by God, you know. I mean that that was a me. I was I wasn't even expecting that, you know yeah. that, that that being loved by God would actually be put in context to conflict of you know between you know Christians and and Arabs or Jews and yeah. Arabs being. Being loved by God uh, has something to say about that. That yeah. that uh, and and the people who are the most angry are the ones who are the most insecure. Mm. I thought that was a, a very good point. Yeah. And the other the other point that stood out was the problem with a lot of people in America and why they are on this one page and can't seem to get off it is. He said ignorance. I know what he meant. He meant he he meant actually we're just we're just not really thinking for ourselves. We're letting other people do our thinking for us. Mm-hmm. And we're not yeah. taking the time to listen, to read, to say, is this really right? Is this is this yeah. the way I should feel about this? And, and you know, we we just got to turn that thing on. You know, yeah. everybody has a conscience. Every everybody has something inside that little lever that goes. I don't care if you're sitting and listening to Billy Graham. You know, if, yeah. if, if you're in church or whatever, and somebody says something, and you, your beloved pastor says something, and you go, "I'm not so sure that's right." Well, yeah. then you better follow that. You better follow that, and not just bury that and keep going because, oh well, you know, he knows oh, yeah. more than I do. He, yeah. you know. Don't you, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, we've become this cut and paste generation where we cut and paste what everyone else thinks on behalf of what we think. And 
um, yeah. or you know, this headline gener- this headline nation. We take it and run with it, you know, and and uh, you know, being able to to wrestle with some things a little bit, you know, and and being okay. Yeah. God is God is God, and um, and yeah. uh, just good, good, good stuff. And again, yeah. BethlehemCoffee.org If you're listening to the podcast, there you go. Um, and, and, and send us a note, uh, you know, send, uh, John, how can we, you know, if someone has questions from the show or, or, um, mm-hmm. has comments, what's the, you know, where they just post comment on the website or they can post, you can post something on our Facebook page. Um, let us know what yeah. you think. Anywhere, either, either one. And, uh, um, yeah, let's, and, and let's, Let's not be. I love you know what I love. Another thing I love him saying that we haven't poured concrete around ourselves yet. You know we haven't yes. pouring concrete around what you know our religion or what we believe. We've got to we got to stay open. He I thought it was really good. He said it took him about five years. Yeah. To change his mind on certain things. Mm. And so that helped me because I get frustrated and I go, oh these people will never change. Oh no, we can change. Just, yeah. just stay open. That's what I say. Now, final word. Yeah. My final word is stay open. Have a wide, stay open. That's it. You know, yeah. believe the truth. Commit yourself heavily to biblical truth, but stay open to the way that works in the real world and to what it really means. Because uh, sometimes God can teach you directly out of the Word of God something that maybe you've never even heard before. So mm. that's what we got to do. Great. That's, that's well, really Gunner, good. Are you going to land the plane? or? or you know, I'm going to land the plane. And quite frankly, I was trying to land the plane with um, a Porky Pig's Blue Blue Christmas. Uh, <laughs> you didn't find it? I, I, I couldn't find it. Um, you know, I was trying, trying to find it, but... Uh, you know, I, I think instead, I mean, we can um, we can come close to that, I guess. Um, how's that? <laughs> A little Elvis Is that Elvis? Is like, that yeah, Elvis the king. Yeah, the king. Great. Cake, right? Yeah, but oh, that's uh, great. <laughs> Little little Elvis Presley, but John, let's land the plane. A great, great podcast tonight. We'll match this one up with Oz Guinness. Uh, if you're listening, share this with your friends. Tell us what you think. Send us a comment. Go to Bethlehem.org, coffee.org. Order some coffee and pour a glass for John. And uh, go to the Facebook page and tell us what your favorite uh, Christmas song is, and uh, we'll add that to the playlist. Until then, John, All right. uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning at uh, catchjohnfisher.wordpress.com. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on the Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow everybody. See you next time, John. <laughs> hey, it's great job.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.